In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about growing up and growing stronger, uncomfortable feelings of respect, and the porn couch. Don't look at the porn couch. Stop thinking about the porn couch. In our discussion of A Shitload of Crazy Powers by Jackson Ford. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss A Shitload of Crazy Powers by Jackson Ford. Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, seriously, get on it. Please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read the book and then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yeah, just stop and go back and read all four of them now. Yeah, seriously. You need to read them all because they're so, so good. And listen to every single one of our... Jackson Ford, Tegan Frost, Frost Files, crazy shit, shitload of everything. Shitload of crazy episodes. Shitload of crazy episodes. Shitload of crazy episodes flying through the air randomly with your mind. Did I get something from all of them? In the storm. In the storm. Mm. Shit. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho. This is going to be a potentially long episode, so let's just dive straight in. Background info, go! I don't even have background info because you need to go and listen to all of our episodes or watch the video that he did at the library with me and my and my coworker there. That was a good time. That was, go, it was fun. I watched it. Just go back and check out all of the back catalog because it's too good not to. There's a shitload of bonus episode there. Yes. We are going to say the word shit a lot. It's in the title of the book. Yes. For loud. Plus, we cuss all the time, so no one should be surprised. Just disapproving. <laughs> Always disapproving. I don't think so. I think people <laughs> aspire to be us, Claire. Anywho. Oh my gosh. Diving so in again. Diving in again. What are your initial thoughts? Yes! Do you know what mine is? Ah! Wonderful. It's very good. Yep. (laughs) Yep. It's very good. We love these books. We We love Jackson Ford. We love Jackson Ford. We will never stop talking about these books. And hopefully they'll never end. He doesn't have a plan to end them. It's an ongoing series of shit. But in a good way. Fun shit. Fun, good shit. It's good shit, not shitty shit. Is this going to be like the box episode? How many times do we say shit in this episode? I'm not counting them. Not again. (laughs) You did a lot of hard work in that episode, Claire. Damn it, a I lot feel of... like I need to count it. I feel like I need to go back and count start. We've said it we've said shit too much now to go back. We just we've can't said, even estimate. Yeah, we've said it entirely too many times. 
We've so. come too far. Stop saying come. Let us begin. Our favorite psychokinetic, Tegan Frost, is currently running up a muddy hill, being chased by people she definitely doesn't want to be caught by. Her PK is completely drained. One, because she's been using it way too much already today, and two, because she's coming down from a meth high. Oh, she's right. Yes, because this book picks up right after the third one ends. Her knee is busted, and she keeps getting stuck in the mud, but she's got to keep going. She sees an observatory ahead and decides to make her way there, but then she falls in a hole and is promptly caught and arrested. Why did her fucking brother and sister have to return from the dead? God damn it, not this. Not, not, not the time, Chloe and Adam. It's not the right time. So we need to go back in time a little bit. We do. We're going to go back in time. Just just a little bit. <laughs> Tegan is with Annie in the hospital, sitting with her while she's in a coma after being struck by lightning brought down by Leo, the superpowered little guy from the last book. Her visit is cut short when her brother and sister, Adam and Chloe, come in and take her away against her will. Just as Tegan's powers have grown in strength, so have Adam and Chloe's. We know that Adam is the zigzag man and that his powers of not needing to sleep have transformed into making people live their dreams or nightmares. Seriously, Oof. it's terrifying. Go on, Oof. read book three right now. Oof. Chloe's powers of seeing infrared and heat signatures have grown into the ability to change the body temperature of those around her, which right now is Tegan. Damn. Her core temperature has dropped severely, so Adam gets a wheelchair and they roll her out of the hospital. Chloe is struggling to maintain control, but they make it out to the parking garage before they are stopped. Chloe has had to use Adam's secret zigzag control words twice to keep him in line. She tells the Tegan Popsicle that she's been creating a world just for them, and that's where they're headed now. But then Chloe's hold on Tegan slips, and that's when the Priuses start flying. <laughs> Adam makes Tegan believe she's in a house fire, one of her greatest fears ever since Adam set their house on fire when they were younger, and Tegan believed she was the only survivor. Then, Chloe assists by raising Tegan's temperature. Luckily, hospital security arrives then, probably drawn by the flying Priuses, and Adam and Chloe decide to run for it. Tegan, instead of going back into the hospital for help, gets in her Jeep and follows. <laughs> Tegan's not too far behind Chloe and Adam but after lots of high speed chasing the cops come after her she drives through Hollywood at practically a million miles an hour until she tries to take a turn way too fast and crashes spectacularly and now we're up to speed <laughs> sorry <laughs> that was a bad joke but um shit man Tegan's taken to the police station and accused of a bunch of things like reckless driving and resisting arrest and, you know, murder. That old shtick. <laughs> the police lock her in a cell where she spends an unknowable amount of time thinking about how Adam and Chloe could still be alive. She saw the house burning when she was 16. Like, she saw Adam cackling amongst the flames. 
She saw the lab where she and her siblings were given their abilities and experimented on in a pile of ash. If Adam and Chloe have been around all this time, why didn't they come for her before? It's been nearly seven years. Why now? As Tegan is pondering this, Moira Tanner walks into her cell. Guaranteed way to make you feel even worse. Oh yeah, she's really good at that. Tegan thinks Tanner is there to let her out, but oh no, she's not. She tells Tegan that she fired Reggie and is the new head of China Shop. Oh, great. Tegan is flabbergasted and (laughs) enraged. As Tanner leaves, Tegan says she's just going to bust out. But Tanner threatens her with the entirety of LAPD chasing her down. And when that's not bad enough, she says... She will have her terminated. Fuck. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> because it's Tegan, she tries to break out anyway. But nothing happens. She yeah. has no PK. She thought she felt something when Adam and Chloe were fighting her earlier, but... She didn't realize that their combined powers changed her and apparently shut down her powers. What is she going to do now? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Sit in jail. Well, what she's going to do is think about her future. Oh. Uh, uh. Mm. I mean, she's in jail. That's not great. (laughs) Tegan plans out elaborate things she can do with her future if she doesn't have PK and work for the government and, of course, not be in jail. She can right, have yes. a job. She can have vacations. She can have sex. Oh. <gasps> Maybe it won't be so bad. Mm. The not having power is not the sex thing. Sex is going to be good. Right, yes. Stellar. Interstellar? Stop it. <laughs> Unfortunately, at this point, Kyle fucking burr enters her cell then and takes her back to China Shop because, oh yeah, he works there now. Ah, fucking burr. When they arrive, Tegan is tackled by Africa. He didn't know she was in a car crash or in jail, but there's not a lot of time to discuss that. Tegan is to be the bodyguard to a Republican senator who is in town. Arthur Rice, who is also one of Tanner's bosses. This won't be a pretty problem at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh, 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 wait. Tegan doesn't have a PK anymore. Maybe nothing terrible will happen and she won't even need it and everything will be fine and no one will want to vivisect her and study her brain because everything will go so well. That seems reasonable and on par with all of the rest of the books. Yeah, I see no disturbance to mm. that pattern. <laughs> Annie suddenly wakes from her coma. No one was expecting her to wake up so soon, but she's awake now and worried about Tegan. Half of her body is in pain from the lightning strike and the burns covering her left side. And, you know, like her communication is a little off. But she knows she heard someone come into her room and call Tegan by her real name, Emily, and then leave. Annie knows Tegan is in trouble, and she tells her mom, who just got to her room, that they need to find Reggie 
and help Tegan. Tegan, Africa, Burr and Tanner head to the Del Rio Hotel, where the senator they're guarding will be presenting at a strategy and defence conference. Here, sad con. <laughs> I want to go to that con so bad. I would go to SADCON, but not their SADCON, because damn. When they go to, ooh, I don't want to go to their SADCON, you're right. No, but I'm going to go dressed we up. We can have our own SADCON. Where we just sit in the dark and watch movies. Yes, that sounds right. But we have to wear costumes. Yes. Yeah, it's not a con if you're not in costume. Mm-mm. He's trying to get a new business to build weapons in South Dakota. This is why we don't want to go to their sad con. No, it's very sad. It's very sad. But people have been making death threats on him and his family, so he needs Tegan's help. Otherwise, seems to be a good guy, and he tells Tegan that he saw footage of what she did with the wall of water at the homeless camp, and he thinks she made the right decision, even if he couldn't have made the same decision himself. Please see book three. Then he asks if Tegan can demonstrate her powers. Oh. Oh, uh-oh. uh-oh. Nope. Mm. Mm. Annie and her mom, Sandra May, are on their way out of the hospital against doctor's orders. Annie's having a hard time. She keeps getting shooting pains through her left side and bad headaches. As they near the elevator, it opens, and Nick Delacourt, Tegan's baby boyfriend, steps out. He's been trying to call Tegan and thought that maybe she would be here with Annie. Instead of telling Nick that Tegan's brother and sister are alive and evil beyond reason, she says she hasn't heard from her. She and Tegan had a fight right before she was electrocuted, and she said she never wanted to see Tegan again. Annie regrets it now and worries that if she gets Nick involved, he'll get hurt or killed, and she just can't let that happen. Sandra May doesn't like that they just lied to Nick, and she also doesn't like that they're leaving the hospital when Annie's still unwell. But Annie says they've got to go to China Shop. Tegan pretends to have moved something in the room, and nobody believes her at all. No. But then, Jonas Schmidt, the handsome German billionaire that Tegan crushed on during the sociopathic child earthquake, comes in. See book two! <laughs> Apparently, he's got dealings with the company that Rice wants to have built in South Dakota. He also brought a reporter and a bodyguard with him. Jonas seems to not recognise Tegan and says he needs a word with the senator, so Tegan, Tanner, Burr and Africa are asked to leave the room. Burr and Africa go down to the ballroom where the conference will be held while Tanner asks Tegan to float her cell phone in the air. Tanner doesn't say anything at all when Tegan can't move the phone. Disapproving glare and stomp off. The conference is about to begin when they get down to the ballroom. Tegan asks for water and when Africa brings her a glass, it's hot and thick in her mouth. She can't do this. She has to get away from the crowd in the ballroom, so she runs. What is likely the manager of the hotel finds her and quotes Bible verses to her about not being able to run away into the next town, which is odd. And then Africa, Tanner, and Burr find her. Tegan breaks down and begins crying, begging Tanner not to send her back to the testing facility in Waco where she spent way too many years of her life. Tanner walks away while Africa helps Tegan get up, telling her they'll take this one step at a time. 
at China shop office, Annie can't remember the codes to get in, so she and Sandra may go home. Annie is devastated, but then she remembers she can get on a computer to get contact information for Tegan and Africa and Reggie. She calls and calls, but no one answers. But then Reggie calls her back. Annie struggles to get the words out about Tegan being taken by Adam and Chloe, but she finally manages. Reggie says she's coming and to stay put. Yay, Reggie. Yay, Reggie. (laughs) Sad con is about to begin as Tanner walks up to the stage and says something to Weiss, presumably that Tegan has lost her powers. She then tries to get Tegan in Africa to leave, but then Tegan notices that the Bible-quoting hotel manager is acting fishy, and then he pulls out a gun and shoots the first speaker at the conference. It's bonkers after that, and Burr manages to get a gun from someone, and they all run. Tegan and Africa run into a room with a swimming pool, and a guard comes in, shooting at them. Her shot goes wide, and Africa tackles her, but then she manages to trap Africa. She's got a clear shot at him, and she's going to take it. But of course, Tegan can't let Africa get hurt, so she tackles the lady into the pool. They fight, and Tegan almost drowns, but then the woman is dead. Africa shot her. Burr and Tanner come in then, and make Tegan search the lady's pockets. There's not much in there, a wallet, a pen, some coins, but, you know, that's all. Tegan keeps the wallet and then Tanner tells them they have to leave, so they do. Annie and Reggie begin to make some plans. Sandra May is upset because Annie and Reggie are talking about secret things and she thinks her daughter is up to no good. Annie gets frustrated and stutters a lot, but Reggie talks her down and helps her cope with her pain. Reggie is definitely a badass and definitely a genius. They can't break into China Shop's computers because, well, Reggie built those systems and she doesn't work for China Shop anymore. But they can try to track Tegan and Adam and Chloe through other means. Annie decides to dust off her old contacts from her shady days, Annie's army. She is determined to help Tegan. Tegan, Africa, Burr and Tanner sneak from the pool through disused stairwells of the hotel and up to the third floor where they find Geralt, Jonas's bodyguard, shot dead in the hallway. They use his keycard to find his room and make it their safe house. Tanner and Burr start planning their next moves when Tegan gets upset that she's not included and that they abandoned all the people in the ballroom. Africa barely says a word. Burr explains why they had to leave because they seriously did not stand a chance against all the armed terrorists or whatever you want to call them. They briefly discuss the Bibleiness of the shooter when they find a scripture in the wallet of the woman from the pool, but they don't exactly know which religious extremes group they're from. Tanner and Burr order Tegan and Africa to hide while they try to find out a way to call for help because the terrorists have blocked all cell phones and rigged the exits with explosives. Damn. Yeah. Tegan and Africa do not immediately hide. Instead, Tegan finds some beer in the mini fridge and Africa remains silent. Tegan tries to talk him out of his stupor, and it eventually works, but then they hear someone using a keycard outside. They quietly run to the adjoining room and into the bathroom to hide. As they open the shower to get inside, they're shocked to find Jonas and the reporter he brought with him, Kanahara, hiding in there already. 
it's a tight squeeze. You know, Tiggins <laughs> tiny, but Africa's literally seven feet tall, but they cram in there too, and it's fun. <laughs> Two men have come in to search around, and they talk about the Reverend, a.k.a. Bible shooty manager guy, though they're not supposed to call him that. Then they decide to leave the room, despite how much they're being paid to look around. A few minutes after the men leave, Tegan sneezes right in Jonas's face, which is exactly what you want to do to your crush. <laughs> Sneeze in their face, pull them half, tell them how much you feel about them. While you're in the shower together. That's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, that stinks. Anywho, it's amazing how Annie's life has changed from slinging drugs to jail, to slinging drugs to jail, to being friendly to everyone, to being contacted by Maury Tanner and working for China Shop. Tanner found her after her second time in prison and recruited her for her contacts. And now Annie's army does not disappoint. A few calls asking people to be out on the lookout for a blue truck with side damage leads Annie to a huge house in a ritzy neighbourhood in Laurel Canyon. Her contact, Jar, says a woman and a great big hairy dude got out, so it's definitely Chloe and Adam. Annie wants to head there straight away, but Reggie tries to get her to wait. She doesn't. <laughs> no one is shocked. Tegan... Africa, Jonas, and Kanahara get out of the shower. They bring Gerhardt's body in and talk for a few minutes about who everyone is and what they think is happening. Then Jonas decides to leave the room to find and disable the phone jammers. Kanahara and Africa say they're going too, and reluctantly, Tegan follows. I have to, I guess. Oh, I guess I'll come up. Annie is headed out to where Chloe and Adam are supposedly staying, but she can't drive. Reggie can't drive, and she's not bringing her mom into this. She can't get a rideshare either because her neighbourhood is so rough, so she sets out on foot to a place that is more friendly to random drivers. Then she spots a car she doesn't recognise. Luckily, a friend of hers who is carrying a 38 happens to come by at the same time. Annie takes her friend's gun and approaches the car only to find Nick inside. He wants to help Tegan too, but Annie won't let him. She tells her friend to shoot his tyres if he tries to hollow her, and she walks away. I am impressed by the amount Annie is able to walk after just coming out of a coma. I know, and her whole left side is ruined. Mm-hmm. Annie's tough. I, I wouldn't mess with Annie. No. Also, I really like... In this scene in the book, she tells her friend to shoot him. And he's like, oh my god, don't shoot me. And she's like, I'm not, like, your tires, dude, not you. Don't, don't shoot my friend. <laughs> don't shoot him, please. <laughs> so funny. Because <laughs> the friend's like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> totally shoot I'm glad you. you made the distinction, though. <laughs> Am I? Tegan and Co. are still searching for the phone jammers. They make their way up to the seventh floor and search there because access to the roof is blocked by C4. Jonas has been to this hotel before and knows the manager's office is here, meaning he can get key cards to access all the doors. They split up and each search the rest of the rooms on this level. Tegan looks all around the room she's in and can't find the jammer box, but she does find a pack of cookies in the mini fridge. With her PK. 
Ooh. It's flickering back to life! <gasps> Yay! It means her future dreams are crushed, but she's on her way back to her own normal, which is a pretty good feeling to have. Jonas, Kinahara, and Africa come into the room soon after, and none of them have found the jammer. Jonas gets angry, and Kinahara begins filming, which isn't really okay with anyone, but she's a reporter who's just doing her job. Africa goes to search the room again and comes back with a sheet of paper with Tegan's face on it, and one with Tanner, and the Reverend, and the guys who almost found them in the shower, and the lady from the pool, and they're all in Vietnamese. Turns out Van Du Hong is big in Vietnamese weapons manufacturing, and she knows who Tegan is, and this is her room. Wasn't she one of the ones held hostage in the ballroom? What does this all mean? <laughs> Nothing, at least for now. They still have to find the jammer, and to do that, they need to get to the roof. Oh. Annie has made it to Chloe and Adam's hideout, which, it turns out, belongs to a billionaire named Wilcox. Is he involved, or are they just using his mansion as their base? Annie has a good vantage point and can see the house, and also, across the way, she can see the beautiful, historic Del Rio Hotel, and has no idea what's going on inside of it right now. She sneaks around the outside, but doesn't see any activity. She decides she's going to get closer, which involves her sliding down a steep hill through prickly shrubs. When she gets near to the street, no fucking way Nick is there. Oh my god. He followed Stop her. her. He followed her, even though he wasn't supposed to. She goes to swing at him, but she's so hot and dehydrated from being in the sun, and, you know, only recently coming out of a lightning-induced coma, that she falls to the ground. Oh, poor Annie. I know. Tegan and her crew scramble up to the roof, and everything goes surprisingly well, minus the pigeon to the face <laughs> that makes Tegan fall from the edge. Good thing Africa was able to catch her. Thank goodness. The group splits up and heads towards the rooftop bar. Tegan and Jonas go one way, African, Africa and Kinara go the other. Tegan reaches out with her PK trying to find the jammer, but instead feels guns approaching. Oh, God. She and Jonas see Senator Vice being dragged out onto the rooftop bar by a woman they don't recognise, Adam the Reverend. And they beat him up. And then... Annie and Nick go back to Nick's car. That's not what we wanted to happen next. We need to know what's happening with Tegan. Bloody cliffhangers. <laughs> so many living. Annie is furious that Nick followed her, but he tells her that even though he's boring and not some sort of secret agent, he can't sit idly by while Tegan is in trouble. Annie finally tells him everything about Chloe and Adam and their abilities. Nick begins talking about the training he's had helping out with the earthquakes after leaving the district attorney's office. Vice is still getting beat up, and then, just when Tegan is about to burst in and shut things down, Bert and Tanner arrive with guns. Tegan decides she's going to crunch the safeties on the hostage-taker's guns, which will be totally easy because she's done it a million times before. That's not what happens at all. <laughs> Tegan's powers go haywire, and everything around her, guns, chairs, doors, people, get swooped in a tornado of chaos, and she can't shut it down. Oh, God. She yells that she's sorry to Tanner, and Jonas tells her to stop, which is bad because, hey, 
who knows about her abilities, but she can't. And then she gets her arm shot off. God damn it. God damn it. This is not a good day. Annie is now wearing Nick's fireproof suit that he uses for helping out the earthquake victims. She's called in her friend Elijah, who has come to the house to do an emergency power line check. After some convincing, the guard at the house lets him drive his truck through the gate. Annie, in the bed of the truck, will get out and sneak around, supposedly unseen by Chloe's ability. Except she takes the fucking fire suit off because she's sweltering inside it and she can't take it anymore. Nick is guiding her from a high vantage point and tells her to put the suit back on. Oh my god, it's the only reason why you're there. Oh fucking god, but she won't do it. Stubborn. So frustrated. So fucking frustrated with Annie right now. You know you are already burning up hot, so she is definitely going to see your heat signature. What is wrong with you? I think I held the book and went, <laughs> shook the book. Okay, anyway. So Tegan didn't actually get her arm shot off. Oh, good. But she was shot at with an AK-47, so that's still pretty bad. <laughs> Luckily, the bullet went straight through, so she'd be fine. But, you know, still, she's been shot. Tanner finds a secret passage behind the bar, and she, Bert, and Jonah sneak down carrying Tegan. She keeps blacking out and eventually comes to on a disgusting couch under a pornography poster with her arm bandaged. Burr has taken really good care of her. While she was out, they realised that the jammer box was destroyed in Tegan's tornado of doom. Jonas all of a sudden got a billion notifications on his Instagram. So then Tanner and Burr call the FBI, who were now on their way. Jonas has a phone that belongs to the hostage takers that Tanner wants him to unlock, but he isn't the right guy for that job. Reggie is. But Tanner fired her. Mm. Tegan tells Tanner to fuck off and ask Reggie for help. She refuses, but eventually gives her phone to Bert to make the call. Humble pie, Tanner. Mmm, have a slice. No, she's not eating any of that. No, she's thrown it on the floor. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> Don't you fire Reggie. Sweet, sweet Reggie. Reggie's the best. Annie sneaks through Wilcox's house and is able to make it into his office, where she finds a laptop with a background image of Wilcox with his arm around Chloe in front of a mountain. Ooh, this is good evidence, and a huge clue that he's clearly involved in everything that's going on. As she's debating on stealing the computer, she hears voices outside, and they belong to Wilcox and Chloe. Annie sneaks out onto the balcony, regretting that she took off the fire suit. No fucking duh, Annie. (coughs) Wilcox is upset that Tegan is at the conference at the Del Rio, and he's upset that Chloe deviated from their plan by trying to get Tegan on their side. What are they doing? He goes on to talk about the school, which, despite the lab there being closed, is still up and running, even though there are only four kiddos still there. And one of them, Leo, refuses to help. Hmm. Chloe stops talking abruptly, just about the same time that Annie tries to jump from the balcony But then she gets so cold 
that she can't move or speak. Why'd you take off the suit? Stupid decision. Tegan calls Reggie to help her with the phone, but learns about Annie being out of the hospital, going after Adam and Chloe, and not currently being in communication with Reggie. Tegan freaks out, but there's literally nothing she can do right now except connect the hostage taker's phone to the laptop in the porno room. Annie, meanwhile, is in a garden shed, zip-tied to a chair. Chloe uses her powers to take away the feeling in Annie's damaged nerves, which you think would be good, but it's probably going to end up being torturous. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. She says she doesn't want to cause anyone physical pain. But then she calls Adam in, and, well, he gets to work. Rhetoric, parallel, window, prospect, triangle, altitude, zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. I love the zigzag man! (laughs) I love him so much! Please see book three and all of the times I squeed. Tegan and Jonas have a moderately in-depth conversation about Tanner and being a boss and not being shitty and how he's lost most of his money while Burr talks to Reggie as they try to break into the phone. Then Tegan realises that Tanner knew Annie was out of her coma and left the hospital. She gets really mad and starts to yell at Tanner but then they hear hostage takers coming through the passageway. Burr hides the laptop and phone under the couch cushion just as Tegan decides she could try to lock the safeties on their guns, but then Don't her PK might go bonkers again. Don't do it. Don't do As the hostage takers approach the door, Tana says they're coming out. She's giving up. Gosh, she's the worst. I can't help but agree in this situation. It's, you know, they're at a disadvantage. Adam has pit Annie against her father. Her father, who beat her mother, and who Annie had killed by one of her future drug-running crew when she was only ten years old. Damn, Annie. But her father's here now, asking her if she's happy she killed him. Annie knows that Adam is messing with her mind. So she says that she is happy she killed her father. Then she wakes up in China shop. Reggie tells her she was talking in her sleep and confessed to killing her father. Everyone in China shop turns on her then. Reggie, Africa, Tegan, Paul. But wait, Paul's dead. Or was that a nightmare? Annie struggles to understand what's real and what's not when Nick rushes in to save her. They manage to get out of the shed and partway down a cliff before her captors realize she's gone. Chloe can't see her, but Adam can feel them, so he knows that Nick is there too. And then, all of a sudden, Annie's in China shop again. Tegan, Tanner, Bert, and Jonas are zip-tied and taken to the ballroom with all the other hostages. Dyson, the reverend, is there with lots of other people Tegan saw on the papers in Fan Duke's room. Some of them are his followers and some are paid mercenaries. The reverend tells Tegan that he wants money, which isn't really surprising on account of the hostage situation, but he wants to get it by having Tegan stop him 
and his group from killing everyone. Well, that doesn't really make sense. Tegan worries because she knows if she uses her PK, which pretty much everyone knows about now, it might go haywire like it did on the roof. Or it might not work at all. But then she remembers something Reggie once said about Tanner, how she works every day to save more lives than she loses. Tegan looks at her boss, hating her, but finally understanding her. Then she lets her PK loose on the giant chandelier in the lobby. Tegan shouts for everyone to get down. The chandelier and everything else in the lobby goes bonkers. The hostage takers all start shooting. It's an explosion of mayhem. The reverend stalks up to Tegan and kicks her in the stomach and aims a gun at her, but then she pulls the whirling chandelier straight into him and he's gone. (laughs) Everything is still exploding in the maelstrom, so Tegan begs her PK to stop. After a few more moments of chaos, it does. Tegan has a massive headache and collapses to the ground, but Africa swoops her up into his arms and carries her out of the hotel. Annie manages to break free of Adam's control pretty quickly whilst hanging onto the side of the cliff for dear life. Nick takes a little longer, but he breaks free too, and they start to climb back up the cliff. Nick gets to the top first, and they find Adam kneeling and chanting. Nick flies at him, ready to punch, but Adam dodges and then starts to strangle Nick. Annie gets to her feet with a rock in hand. When she was young, she loved baseball and was an excellent pitcher, but her father ruined her dreams. Well, even though her worthless dad always told her she wouldn't amount to anything, she knows that she could damn well. She's a damn well good pitcher when she was little, and she's still one now. She winds up and cracks Adam in the back of the skull with her rock, and he goes down. Annie and Nick look over the side of the cliff to see Chloe with her sniper rifle. So they know they can't go down that way. Then they spot a ladder and plan to climb over the side of the fence surrounding Wilcox's mansion. That bloody ladder. Where was it earlier? I know. (laughs) Outside the hotel, Tegan is sitting in an ambulance getting her gunshot wound cleaned out. Then she's approached by an FBI agent who asks her what she was doing in the hotel. She decides she's going to tell the truth, because everyone will know who she is by now anyway. What with the L.A. River, the hospital parking garage, the roof. But before she speaks, Africa is there. And Tanner. And Burr. And Arthur Weiss. Arthur dismisses the agent, and then asks about Tegan not having her powers. Tanner says they'll debrief and decide Tegan's future, while Burr tells her to wait, and Tegan walks away from everything. Then she's approached by Kanahara. Surprisingly, Kanahara offers Tegan a choice. She obviously saw everything that Tegan did with her PK on the roof and in the ballroom, but she pretends that she didn't. She asks Tegan to tell her story when she's ready and when she's allowed to, but if she talks to another reporter, Kanahara will spin a terrible tale of what happened. Tegan agrees to talk to Kanahara in the future, knowing that Tanner will probably never ever let that happen. (laughs) Next, Tegan is offered another choice. Jonas comes up to her and offers to take her away to a private island where she can recuperate on the beach with drinks and great food and a guy she has a huge crush on who also happens to have a huge crush on her too. Oh, nice. 
they can get to know each other and either be together or part amicably as friends. But Tegan chooses not to go with him just yet. Because she would rather be with Nick. Who knows everything about her, good and bad, and accepts it, rather than a failing billionaire who thinks they're both heroes and might get tired of her at any moment. Plus, at least she can't leave. She's got to go after Chloe and Adam. Tegan and Jonas split up, Jonas making phone calls and Tegan desperately wanting to take a nap. <laughs> Failure girl, I feel ya. She talks to Tanner and Senator Vice and offers to go back inside the hotel to get the hostage taker's phone and the computer they use to hack it and also probably take a nap on the secret hideout phone couch. Ah, <sighs> sounds nice. Yeah. She pulls out the phone and decides to look through it a little because, you know, who can resist snooping through a hostage taker's phone? She opens the photos and finds the video they recorded on the roof when they were dangling the senator off the edge. The video is not what anyone expected. The reverend, whilst dangling the senator, asks him why Tegan didn't use her powers and then suggests Vice tell the recording what happened from the beginning, starting from when he hired the reverend and his followers to crash Sadcon. What the shit? <laughs> Whoa. Twist! Tegan watches the video several times. Surely Reggie has it saved, and maybe she shared it with Tanner already. But just in case, Tegan needs to show it to her now. As she stands to leave the secret room, Weiss comes in with a helicopter pilot and offers Tegan a ride. Then he realizes she's holding the phone and what she's seen. Then he whips out his taser and shocks her. Damn. On the helicopter ride, Vice bad guy monologues by threatening Tegan with more shocks. Tegan realises the answer to a question that's been running through her mind all day. When is a hostage situation not a hostage situation? When it's an exposition. Tegan was supposed to be on display to the highest bidder. She didn't have her powers, so people got hurt. Now, Weiss is taking Tegan to a facility to turn her into a mindless weapon. And, oh yeah, this whole thing was Chloe's idea, but she got cold feet. Fucking Chloe. When she came to the hospital, she told Tegan that she was in danger and was going to take her away to safety. But, like, Tegan's <laughs> definitely not going to believe that. So then they got into their random shit-stinging, temperature-fluctuating, living nightmare fight, and Tegan got arrested. Damn. Tegan doesn't know what to make of this knowledge or what to do with it, so she decides to crash the helicopter. Obvs. <laughs> Logical. She's done it before in a high-speed car chase, so surely she can do it again. No problem. <laughs> no. Instead of crashing the fuel pump, she rips everything to shreds. Weiss tries to tase her and then punch her, but they're tumbling around in the plummeting helicopter, and then Tegan slams into the door and falls out. Dang it. Damn. As she drops her inevitable death in the Pacific Ocean, saying her goodbyes to Reggie and Africa and Nick and Annie, even Chloe and Adam, she suddenly gets one final bonkers-as-shit idea. What if, when she fought with her siblings, they didn't change her power? 
What if they injured it, like a broken bone? And what if, like after your broken bone is healed, you feel stronger? What if she never lost her PK at all and it was just healing? She tried to use enough PK to lock the safeties on the gun on the roof. But what if she didn't have to use as much PK as she used to? And then everything went flying around crazy because she used way too much energy because she's much stronger than she ever realised. This leads her to trying something she's never tried before. She uses her PK on herself and she's fucking flying. She makes it nearly all the way to shore before crashing into the waves. Amazing. Tegan spends a little time enjoying the beach after her flight, (laughs) thinking about her powers. She reaches inside and checks that they're still there. Then she tests them a little and finds she's floating an orb of ocean in front of her, and she's surrounded by rings of floating sand. Her powers definitely still work. But for how long? Is she going to crash again? A little bit later, a surfer walks up and tells Tegan she should be careful swimming in that area because she's not from around there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, she's scared. Jesus Christ. She just fucking murdered people with a helicopter and a chandelier. She borrows the surfer's phone and calls Reggie. Annie and Nick have Ubered away from the mansion and are in the middle of a busy part of the city, just in case Chloe and Adam come for them. They figure it'll be harder to use their powers in front of everyone. Nick reveals how he was able to break in and climb the cliff to get her, which involves calling the police and reporting a kidnapping, but that doesn't help because, of course, Adam used his powers on the cops. And Nick decided to set a giant dumpster on fire and ram it into the gates. While everyone was distracted, he made it to Annie, and now they have escaped. Nick also puts Annie in her place about treating Tegan like she's helpless, which we all appreciate. Thank you, Nick. While they try to figure out what to do next, Nick gets a phone call from Reggie. Tegan is sitting at a hole-in-the-wall bar, enjoying a beer. Reggie said she'd send whomever she could get in touch with first to pick her up, and that happens to be Nick and Annie. But Tegan doesn't know that. Tegan and Nick hug and kiss, and then Tegan spots Annie. Annie panics and wants to run, but Tegan almost tackles her in a huge hug. Annie notices a change in Tegan, a sort of calm, when she was always a ball of nervous energy before. They hug, and Annie never wants to let go. A little while later, Tanner calls in Tegan and Annie in Africa. She tells them that the vice president is in charge of her now, and while that's not great... As long as they keep the heads down and do good work, they'll be able to continue on as usual. Then she asks to speak with Tegan privately, which she refuses. And so she tells Tegan that she's much, much stronger now. And if anything goes wrong, she's going to be confined to a facility. Delightful! Tanner dismisses everyone for a few days while she gets organised, but tells them to be on the ready. Tegan, Annie and Africa leave. Get in Africa's truck with Nick and Reggie and start to leave on a trip to Wyoming. Annie's video footage of Wilcox's mansion was more important than anyone thought. The background of his computer was an area in Wyoming that Tegan and her family visited when she was a kid. Wilcox and Chloe were in the picture together, recently, 
so China Shop is going to check it out. Before they can leave, Burr stops them. Fucking come on, Burr. Just as we all think he's going to stop the crew from leaving, he basically tells Tegan that he's proud of her for being the kind of person who never backs down. Then he says he'll hold Tanner off as long as possible. Now, with her crew, with her friends, with her family, Tegan is officially on the run. They're going to stop Chloe and Adam, damn it. They're going to do it. No, we need book five. We need it now. Give me it. Need it. (sighs) Need it. Right, well, I'm going to go and see if I can fly. My peak here hasn't been, you know, healing my entire life. So (laughs) give me the, 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 the time it takes to listen to this advert for another podcast. Yeah, then, then we'll come back. It's fine. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. It didn't work. It didn't work. What happened? Um, boom. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my god. Look, I feel like... Okay, there's a pretty long summary that we just had. And we had an almost two-hour-long chat with jackson ford and a lot of it kind of had to do with this book so i feel like we should just go through like our very most basic things standout moments favorite character all of the basics but not get too too much into detail and force everyone to go and listen to the bonus episode yes i agree that's a plan thank you thank you but you know what? It's going to be really easy and really quick to get through this because my standout moment is literally everything. Page one to page end. Yes. This one was so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all are. All of them. It's a standout, though. So good. I think after the first one, this one's my favorite. Mm. I love the first one. Adored the second one. The third one was just chaos. Absolute chaos. Chaos is a ladder and that ladder was Elia River crashing down. Yes. And I liked the fact that this one was a lot more insular. It was more tied together because it was either Annie and Nick at Wilcox's mansion, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, or Annie's house. You know, it was two two distinct locations for them. And with Tegan... It was at the Del Rio, and that's it. After the absolute chaos of the last one, it was nice for it to be much more contained. Yes. they. I mean, I really enjoyed that. And the second one was also a lot. They were, they traveled a lot in the second one, you know, what yes. with all the earthquakes and 
the Pacific Northwest falling off into the ocean and a child not getting kicked out of a helicopter and well, were, all of quite that. similar because they both involved a child with powers. Yes, a good one and a bad one. Yes. Uh, one of them who could control the powers exceedingly well, the bad one, mm-hmm. and one of them who couldn't, the good one. Yeah. But they were also both racers against time. Yes. In different ways. Yes. They were very different books, but they had like quite a similar basic foundational pattern. They did. They this really one, did. Completely different. Yeah. Completely different. Loved it. And you know, in I've put a Goodreads review because God damn it I will want one of those competitions yes. one day. Um <laughs> I, th- I I described as you know die hard on weed. Yes, I think that's accurate. Because I mean, when's a hostage situation not a hostage situation? When they're freaking taking over Nakatomi Tower to go and steal all the money? Yeah. Because it's not a hostage situation. Yeah. So obviously they're not stealing the money in this case. They're trying to use Tegan, well, sell her off. Yeah. And that was such a shock, too. And that wasn't my surprise, which my surprise... I think our surprises were the same surprise. But that was such a good twist because you think... That the senator's like, oh, no, I need you to protect me. Like, yeah, I need you to protect me from the hostage takers that I hired to be here. And then you can't. And so then they have to start killing people. And you know whose idea this was? Oh, yeah, your sister. Yes. Yikes. You kind of knew there was something up with the senator because he's a fucking Republican. Yeah, he wouldn't. And you know, you're like, hang on. Nah. I don't think any, maybe there's one or two, probably not, legitimate Republican senators who would be proud of Tegan for saving homeless people. And that's when you know something is wrong with the senator or with the United States. I'm just purely based on what I know from social media which is not a good education but i do read the news as well and i could not name a single republican senator or congressperson or celebrity who says the republic any any of them except potentially arnold schwarzenegger ran as a republican governor of california and to my knowledge he was okay but that's as far as I know. He's spoken out against the shitstorm that's the political landscape. Yes. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt, plus it's the freaking Terminator. Right, and we have to because of how obsessed... Japanese advert yes. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. How obsessed I got with Adam... Or... <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, and, and he's, not, he's not active. You know, he except to say, you know, positive things. Right. Um, but yeah, as soon as like this is Republic Senator Vice, I was like, nah, Mm-mm. nah, don't trust him. I do not nah. trust him. But the twists were, <gasps> yeah, gasp. <gasps> not the not my surprises, like you say, but yes, uh-uh. they they were they were good twists. Yes. I liked them. I did like them a lot. Yes. Uh, one thing that I really, really, really liked about this one is how. I mean, I loved the progression of powers. And we talked mm. previously in an older episode with 
Jackson Ford about how Adam, I mean, we knew that Adam's powers had progressed to him becoming the zigzag man, but we didn't know about how Chloe's powers progressed. And I, my guess was x-ray vision. Yeah. But I was wrong. Because I, I it's temperature like manipulation. Predator style. I thought she would be able to manipulate. I don't mean she might be able to. We don't know yet. We don't know. We've only seen two sides of her powers. I was thinking some kind of predator style shit where she would be able to manipulate her own body temperature mm. to hide. Ooh, chameleon. Yeah. Complete, yeah. She could so, have chameleoned herself. Yes. While we're talking about Chloe and Adam, um, can I fan cast Adam? Sure. I'm, I will apologise if I'm saying the surname wrong, but Jason Mantazukas, who is in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he's going to be in the new Percy Jackson series on Disney+, Plus, playing Dionysus, mm. is who I kind of picture Adam. Probably because... He has the massive beard, and when he's in Brooklyn Nine Nine, he's like a complete, like, scruff kind of, you like, know, really messy. He's yeah. too old. Yeah, this picture that I just pulled up of him reminds me of Adam when he was Harry the homeless guy outside of Tegan's house. Yes, that's exactly it. In Brooklyn Nine Nine, he was Adrian uh, Pimento. If if you if if you know the show, which if you haven't seen Brooklyn Nine Nine, you need to go and sort that out right now. But yeah, that's who I saw as Adam, a, a slightly younger version because I think you know yes, he's slightly aged out of the character. But that's yeah. who I was seeing, and obviously now I'm seeing Florence Pugh as Tegan. Well, yeah, that would that would be delightful. So just while we're talking about Chloe and Adam, that's who I was picturing in my mind, especially because, like you say, when he's, you know, Adam the homeless guy, and then he can tie his hair back into his little man. His scraggly ponytail. <laughs> man runs pony, scraggly ponytail. He needs a trip to the barbershop. <laughs> while we're talking about this well, I'll also think in my surprise. Okay. My surprise was that Chloe and Adam weren't more front and centre in this book. Yeah. They, they, they were very much on the peripherals. They were in, obviously. Right. You know, the zigzag man comes out and tortures Annie. What a dick. The zigzag man is terrifying. I love the zigzag man. I love him. Yes. I love it so I much. Mean, he's so good, but freaking terrifying. And Chloe was in a little bit. But it just goes to prove that they are the manipulators or yeah. also Chloe behind the scenes. Yeah. She's been pulling the strings from- the whole time. Yeah, and that confrontation is going to take place probably not even the next book. I would say it's another two books down the line, potentially. Yeah, because we've got to explore the other kids at the school. Yeah. Because we know that there are four of them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we know three of the kids, but who is the fourth one and what do they do? Yes. Because we know fucking Matthew. He's back with him now. I'm sure they found him in the fucking forest and brought him back to the fucking school. What dick. (sighs) Should have been thrown off the helicopter. And then there's Leo. Mm Mm-hmm. 
who is the good guy of this crew. And then I think her name is Olivia, who knows probabilities. So I'm curious what else she can do with her abilities. And then I don't know who the fourth kid is. No. So what are they going to do? Shrug. I'm excited to see another power. I I honestly thought there would be more powers in this one. Because it is a shitload of crazy powers. Which the powers were crazy and a shitload. Yeah, but, uh, but th- I think that, that that's the beauty of it. It doesn't do the obvious. Jackson Ford doesn't give you the obvious. No, he kills you with a chandelier. He kills you with a freaking chandelier while the PK is going absolutely crazy. And you realise, hang on, I don't need to exert that much energy anymore. How much longer is Tegan going to be able to last now? where she doesn't have to use as much PK to do all of the other regular stuff she was doing before and fly at the same time. I know. That's so insane. Cool. And that's, again, the shitload of crazy powers is how they've just grown vastly. Do you know what I half expected to happen? What? Annie to get powers. Hmm. So I'm just going to, this is just throwing it out there. I do discuss something else, another theory um, in the bonus episode. And it's to do with Adam and Chloe and Teague and mm-hmm. their childhood and the powers. You have to go and listen to the bonus for that one. Sure. This other one was Annie. So the way Annie just snaps out of the coma, completely unusual. You know, within 20 minutes, she's on her feet. Her language skills, okay, take a lot longer for them to kick in. Um, after Reggie talks to her and gets her to like concentrate, beautiful scene by the way. Yes. And talk, you know, talking about how her half of her body just burned because of the 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 electricity strike. There was something I was like, could Annie develop something? And I don't think she will. I I think it's down to the genetic level. Yeah. But there was there was part of us I was like. If Annie suddenly exerted some sort of power, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, and purely down to the fact that she got electrocuted by Leo. Right. And, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it. No. I don't think it would even be a good idea if no. that were to have happened. I think that Annie is just so much of a badass that she gets herself up and out because she knows she's got something to do and she's the only one who can do it. Mm-hmm. But being electrocuted by Leo, it does kind of make you think, well, Tegan lost her powers for a little bit because Adam and Chloe came together and you know, she thinks that they boosted her powers. So it could be possible that getting struck by lightning from a kid who has powers could have done something. Mm -hmm. Do you genuinely think that Chloe and Adam using their powers on Teague at the same time is what damaged, therefore made her power stronger? Or do you think it's a result from the meth overlord in book three... And the mess finally left her system. I think that it's just a shitstorm of everything happening at once. Mm -hmm. 
Because we know that she exerted herself completely, like way beyond anything she's ever, ever done in the end of Shitstorm. Which also, I mean, when you exercise, you're going to get stronger. And she fucking stopped a torrential river, which she shouldn't even be able to do that to begin with. That's after basically using her her powers nonstop for 24 hours. Yeah. So it could just be that she's run a marathon and needs to take a break for a little while. Then she starts fucking throwing cars. <laughs> like, she what needs... What does she have against Priuses? <laughs> Nothing. She even says that. There just happened to be a lot of them there. <laughs> but maybe it could be that. She's done so much in such a short period of time, she's going to have to rest. Mm. And then when she comes back, she's going to be stronger. Which is probably what's going to happen next time. She's getting, you know, a really good grip on her powers now. What is she going to be able to do next? The only way I can think of it going is biological being able to manipulate living matter well I mean she's already gotten to organic matter so you know she could only do inorganic when we first met her and now Mm -hmm. she's able to fucking fly so if she can so so good it was so good you hoped you hoped and that she wasn't just going to glide down on the door or something like she's done before. Because she's levitated on the door. Yeah. Yeah. But now, she, now it's just her. She grew up so much in that 24 hours, though, didn't she? She really did. I was very proud of her. But, I mean, she goes through this period of not having her powers. That's her entire life. Of Like, she's had these powers since she was born. And Mm. now, all of a sudden, she doesn't have them. Like, you're going to have to grow up and start figuring shit out. What am I going to do with myself? I'm a completely different person than I've been for, you know, 20-ish years. What am I going to do now? Have dreams! And then they're going to be crushed. And then you can fly, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel so sorry for Tegan. She's never going to have that real life, normal life. She's n- is she ever going to get the chance to work in the restaurant or even a food truck of her own? You know, you maybe. Know, just, I'd love to think that she could. I'd love to think that China shop could evolve to a fact that it's like, okay, so during the day, you're not going to be a movers. You're going to be a, a taco truck. Yeah. Maybe. In Venice Beach or something. I don't know. I don't know. I had a, I had a thought, and now I've lost it. Because I started thinking about tacos. Taco truck. I really wish I could remember what I was going to say, because it was going to be... I feel like it was going to be something. It's going to be something meaningful. Just blurt it out as soon as it comes back. I guess I'm going to have to. Hmm. Africa was very subdued in this one, though, wasn't he? I mean, okay, killed a person, so I can understand yeah. him being a bit... And really, we have not much time has passed here. 
It's just a day. It's just a day. Yeah. And then when we see Africa, you know, part of that time has already passed. So he just killed someone. He deserves a few hours to cope. I felt like what, 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 every time he was like, I was in charge of China shop. I was in charge of China shop. And he got, Tana had, was forced to put him in charge of China shop in book three for like a day. And he keeps asserting this. And it's like, were you though? I mean, you got, it, it was more in. You were the title. You were the action. person in charge while all of the rest of the managers were gone dealing with something else. Yeah, and not taking orders and not communicating and sorting other stuff out. Yeah. Not really being in charge. No. I I don't know how much I like him defending Tana all the time. I mean, if you go to the bonus episode, we do have quite an in-depth conversation about Maury Tana. But she is ultimately an asshole. She is. And not even the lovable Not kind. a lovable asshole. No. Mm-mm. Tegan is a lovable asshole because yes. her heart's in a good place. She just yes. doesn't necessarily execute it right or she'll execute it with a, a lot of sarcasm. <laughs> um, Different kind of execution. Yes. But Moira is just an asshole. Yeah. And I'm like, should you be defending her all the time? Really? But I think Africa he might realize it now, though. Yeah. I think he might realize it now, though. And I hope, and I can't believe I'm saying this because this is going to be my surprise, I hope that he starts looking up to Burr if we encounter them again. You know, if we're not, the next one is not just a road trip where they're not involved with them at all. Because Burr, I think, was my favorite character. He was mine. And I'm uncomfortable with that. I know. Because we hated him. Oh my god, he was such an asshole. He was a dick. I was... When she broke his finger, that was amazing. Yeah. But now, actually, I don't... Is, is it too much to say there may be some kind of respect? Oh. Or just... Oh, respect. I feel dirty, Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't want to examine it too closely because it's like looking at the porn couch. Don't look at the porn couch. I, no, it's it's crusty. I think there's where we should stop and <laughs> move on to Would You Rather. Yes. Because we don't need to think about that anymore. We need to stop thinking about Burr. And how much we liked him. Uh, and move on. Go and check out the bonus episode because you do cover a lot of other things. Yeah, we with do. With Mr. Jackson Ford's death. So good. So good. So good. Okay, so we gotta play Would You Rather. Mm. As Sweet. per usual. Claire, are you gonna ask the mm-hmm. first question of our favorite? Jackson, Rob. <laughs> Are you not going to do the introduction first? Why? Because we always go, would you rather? Do, do, do. It's time! <laughs> Does 
that? Pew, pew, pew. No, 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 it's fake. It have it's fake now. Effect. It's fake. I've really yeah, moment, moments passed. Moments passed. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. What just what just happened? Media. That's your new intro now. <laughs> that is what you're gonna play before everyone. <laughs> we asked on social media, would you rather be way too hot or way too cold? And unsurprisingly, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter all said too cold. Facebook was 87%, Instagram 67%, Twitter 87%, and TikTok was 67%. Yep. Yeah. I'm not surprised, but then I think like, but did you read this book? Because no, you didn't. Because you don't want to be too hot. Well, not to the level you're burning up, no, but... We should do comments before I shout about. Do 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 comments. Do comments. Do we have any super fan comments? We have some super fan comments. Um, let's see. Dakota on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard from Dakota lately. Dakota says too cold. You can always put on more clothes if you're too cold, whereas if you're too hot, there's only so much you can take off. I live in Alabama, trust me, there's only so much you can take off and sometimes that doesn't help. Before you start peeling the skin yes, off. Yes, just, just shave it off. Yeah, that's where my brain went as well. Like, how much can we take off? <laughs> it turned into some kind of Tim Burton movie. Mm. Colin on Facebook said, I'd rather be cold. I'm covered head to toe in a thick layer of hair. So the cold doesn't bother me, except for when it makes my sensitive nips hard. And there's an image for It's me. very good. It wouldn't could've be. Gone the, could have gone the rest of my life without hearing that. It's not an episode no. of fictional hangover if we don't mention nipples. <laughs> not lately anyway. That's true. It's <laughs> big true. pink yeti nipples. Oh god, all nipples all the time. Uh let's see. Oh, we had a comment on Twitter that is actually it's a book comment. At Zam Iced Tea says to be fair tegan felt so hot that she thought she was literally burning i'd say cold because with enough preparation you can just slip on yet another jacket to counteract said cold what are you gonna do if you're too hot suffer that's what Hmm. i have thoughts and feelings about that um and oh your library have been in yes and we had loads of comments from them um but there's a a fun one that says we're makes a difference we're too hot Way too cold is unbearable. That one was Alan that you met. Right, 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 right. Alan understands. Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely come down on the cold side. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a logic to just put on another jacket. That's good. But if it's hot, it's fucking hot and there's nothing you can do about it. It's, you don't always have a convenient pool to jump into. And you can't, like, tear the skin off your body because that then being hot That's would be the least of your problems. I mean, imagine if you could. It really <sighs> inspires me to do a face pull-off cosplay. Haven't you? Didn't you do one for um, uh, Empire of the Vampire? You cosplayed I, a, I was a, missing, Lyoth? Yeah, I was missing half my face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you look good. Thanks. <laughs> I don't need the bottom half. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs jawbone? <laughs> no one. No one ever. It was a badass um, cosplay, too. Thank you. I need to do another one. I haven't done one in so long, but it's a good thing that I already have great plans for this next one, which is going to be good. At least I hope. And now I might have to pull my face off in it. 
just just as a bonus for anyone who's <laughs> listening to this episode. We'll have two cosplays. I hope, I hope there's like a tearing in a shredding sound that a new squelching mm, you know i don't know if well. i can physically pull my face off so i'm just gonna have to pretend well that's that's why you have foley all, all i can think of is nick cage i want to take his face <laughs> off <laughs> and then you do this yep god we watched that movie a couple of weeks ago and now jacob just randomly touches my face sometimes <laughs> like don't do it don't don't do it I think if I did that with my wife, she'd just bite my hand off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not expecting it, though. If I was, you know, if I knew it was coming, then I could get my teeth in. Then where's the fun? Where's the fun? (laughs) Random face touch. Surprise, random face touch. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not. Anywho, are you being too hot or are you being too cold? I am being too cold because I feel like if it's... Because of, you know, brain manipulation, tag-teamed with Adam, I think I would rather be too cold. I don't want to, like, envision myself burning down in a house fire. Yeah, I'm with you. That's pretty horrifying. Yeah. I feel like like more damage would happen then, too. I don't know. Although, having said that, I have had actual proper hypothermia once and hypothermia sucks oh i don't like that what happened yeah no no Uh, no, my uh my friend had a bachelor party thing at one of those obstacle courses in the uk and he decided that he wants to have this in february as as clear that claire's making the face like yeah no i'm seeing what is going and there was fucking ice on all the the water obstacles and at one point we were submerged up to our chests and I mean, I'm a skinny guy usually, but back then I was even skinnier, zero fat on me. I was very underweight. And the second I stopped doing the obstacle course and stopped moving, I just started shaking. And like, I wouldn't stop shaking no matter how much they um, put me in the showers and put hot water on me. They were like, this guy, we might have to take this guy to fucking hospital. And I couldn't like do anything. I couldn't move, couldn't think. Hypothermia is the worst. No permanent damage. Fortunately, we got it sorted, but fuck, it was scary for a bit. No, I don't like that. No, that that Mm-mm. that's an entirely bad idea. No, I don't like that story. Seeing that, I'm still opting for too cold. I mean, hello, yeah. I live in the UK. I'm used to the cold. I've done Newcastle on a Friday night wearing very little. It does not does not bother me. It's another that's another I'm level hardcore, of hardcore. Yeah, I'm a hardcore northerner. If it snores, then we consider getting our big coat out. Consider. Um, but yeah, I've, I've literally been so hot that my brain has stopped functioning and I thought I was having a stroke. So, Jesus. It, yeah, and it was Christmas Day. That was great. It was, And literally, the thing that caused it was because I was in a hot dress in a hot kitchen with the door closed and no window open. It just got too hot that my brain just stopped. And my it just, I thought half of my body just, just started not functioning. And it wasn't until I changed outfits, opened the door, stood outside for a little while and cooled down, that I actually started functioning again. So you basically suffered some form of heat stroke or like minor heat stroke. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Yikes. From a kitchen. 
getting too hot. Like literally, my brain just goes no. And if it gets too, if I if I get too hot now, and if I'm in the kitchen, I will put whatever I'm doing, turn all the hobs off and the oven or whatever, and I will walk out and I will leave it. I don't care if the food gets spoiled because I do not want that happen to get ever again. It's awful. Crack a window, kids. Smart. So don't do stag do's in February and always crack a window if it's going to be hot. I thought, really you know what? Good advice. The, uh, the hottest I've ever been, and I say this being from, you know, as an African, the hottest I've ever been is actually here in Canada. Um, we had a something called a heat dome last year, um, just this massive, massive heat wave in BC, and it was 44 degrees um, during the day. Hey, what's, what's um, that in Fahrenheit for us losers? I have no idea. Fahrenheit is a terrible 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 way of measuring temperature i have Thank no idea you. fucking hot that's how it's hot it is in fahrenheit fucking hot it's like over 100 unpleasant I'm 44 in 111 111 i basically didn't wear a shirt for a week i mean that's like what it is in arkansas right now it's for 111 the- degrees in arkansas for the past week the it's been 97 every day but with a heat index of like 118 how are you not just like a little puddle on the ground? I'm inside, avoiding the sun. Smart. <laughs> I know. Very smart. I'm inside and I'm hot. And it's not even anywhere close yeah. to that. Jesus. I mean, who needs Chloe and Adam? We have real life where you get hot enough and cold enough. Climate change, man. Yeah, Climate man. change. Yikes. That's terrifying. Mm. Climate change is scarier than, you know, a shitload of crazy powers. Yep. Mutants. <laughs> then mutants? I don't know. There are some scary mutants. We don't need to start talking mutants again, because then it's going to go X-Men again like it always does. And we need... we. Right, let, we'll, we'll call that the X-Men conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. Would you rather lose your powers or have them go crazy bonkers? Mm. Crazy bonkers. It would be funny. <laughs> What's your power? <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. Something else. Chandelier murder. Chandelier, my special chandelier murder, but it only works around. Only works if I'm around chandeliers. It's the only time. It died so young. It was the best of us all. What, what would so we we've talked about in the past? You guys have wanted to to me to write about a salon kinetics. Someone yes. with hair power. I'm what would a, what, what would a salon kinetics powers look like if they went bonkers? Like rapid, rapid it, hair obviously. growth. Obviously. Hey. No, cousin it. didn't we? No, didn't, <laughs> didn't we talk about being able to grow hair on other people? Pew pew pew. Just brown someone in their own hair. Turn them into <laughs> yes. just giant hairballs. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure that's what we talked about, didn't we? Well, what, what would you guys rather have? Uh, no powers or crazy powers? <sighs> crazy powers, obviously. Yeah. I'll do it for the lols. Crazy powers. Yeah. For, for the no, 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 powers, no fun. Right. And like, but you know, Tegan really grew up in her, you know, day or two without powers. <laughs> she she grew up. She matured. She so matured much in so. Hours. She really did. I was so proud of her. I was pr- I was proud of her too. I was like, look at you, look at you go. <laughs> Sweet baby Tegan. And then she kills everyone with a helicopter and then she learns how to fly. So <laughs> after murdering a chandelier. 
<laughs> In fairness, they were trying to kill her first, so I feel like it's self-defense. Yeah. Self-defense helicopter murder. Yep. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> It'll stand up at any court. <laughs> it will. It really, really will. <laughs> what are we asking next? <laughs> this is possibly one of my favourite would you rather questions. It's a good one. Ever, oh, go on, half of it is. Would you rather hide in the porn room or hide in the shower? Porn room, obviously, for me. <laughs> I'm going shower. I have I, I have no need to hide in someone else's porn room. My own <laughs> oh, porn room, fine, but someone else's porn room? I mean, what if we have divergent tastes? It's just, it just be awkward. Hey, Burr says, on the computer, it's very high quality, good porn. Fair point. Good point. Good point. No, but how fucking dirty and disgusting is that porn room at least the shower can potentially be clean like in theory a shower should be clean this is my thing i don't know what's being done in this room of febreze Mm -mm. can do wonders Mm -mm. no cool you go in there and clean it up yes (laughs) Uh -uh. you know it reminded me of um you know will wheaton he did um, a series of uh, tabletop videos years ago on Geek and Sundry. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Play more games. Um, and they had the the studio that the film did in. They used to do this like little post chat on a sofa, and all of a sudden the sofa changed, and it changed because they found out that was a porn sofa because it was a hired studio. Somebody had seen the sofa in a porn video and they were like, that sofa looks awfully familiar. That's our sofa. Oh. <laughs> so then nobody would sit in the middle of the sofa knowing that some guy's sweaty butt crack's been there. I think there's been um, worse than yep. sweaty butt crack. M- well, much yes, worse. But... Which is worse? Sweaty butt crack or sweaty ball sack? Would you rather? Would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> oh lord, I pass on that one. <laughs> You're the only one who can legitimately answer this question, though, so you have to. I've, n- I've never, but I've never had someone sweaty ball sack on me. But you, I mean, you no, no, actually, you. that's that's not true. That's not true. I played high school rugby. You get tackled. You you just got to accept that shit's gonna happen. Dude, you've been on stag do's by your own admission <laughs> in this exact phone call. You've been on stag do's. Yeah, so far to my knowledge, no one's put their sweaty ball sack on me. But but you also have your own. <laughs> You come equipped with your own sweaty ball sack. I'll have you know my ball sack is perfect. <laughs> Doesn't no sweat. Chris, I keep it sparkling clean. I'm insulted. No sweat in this ball sack. Uh, I'm just and you can notes. quote me. Hold <laughs> oh, on. <laughs> I will. I will say though. Back in that that hotel, the hotel, the, the porn room in the hotel room, have I've been in enough big hotels and worked hospitality enough to know that the bigger and more prestigious an establishment, the more likely it is that there will be some crusty ass room somewhere that one or two of the employees have turned into their own little private room and done horrendous shit in. Like mm. it, the the bigger the place, the more likely you are to get somewhere like that. And one day, they will be turned into a museum piece and be left untouched <laughs> for future generations to enjoy. That room does there is not so, there's smell so, good. so much wrong with that, what you just said, Claire. I, I don't even know where to start. Hey, mm-hmm. we've been talking about sweaty ball sacks. That's the least of our problems. 
Welcome okay. to Fictional Hangover, everybody. <laughs> We're mature. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Counterpoint, though, I've been in many hotels, usually when I've been working away, and the showers... No. No. Yep. I'm still taking the shower. Because also, you know... The showers probably had the same amount of care and attention to it as the porn room. Look, if I'm concerned... The same ab- love. If I'm concerned about the cleanliness of the shower, well, then I will just turn it on, and there's probably some soap or something. Hell, just fucking water will be better than a You'll get crusty ass ball sack couch. Well, Legionnaires. You cannot get Lyme disease from a shower. <laughs> no, these <laughs> urban legends... The American or the Canadian are looking at the English person going like, nah, dog, that's not how it works. You'll get Legionnaires. I'm sure you can get Legionnaires from the water pipes. No one listen to what Claire is saying right now. I'm not a medical medical professional despite the spam emails I get. Okay, Claire, you can have the porn room. We'll have the shower. Cool? Yes. Fine by me. It means I've got more interesting entertainment. I don't know. Not to take this where it doesn't need to go, but if you put the two of us <laughs> in a shower together, I'm keeping my clothes on, okay? Bossy. Yes, obviously we're but hiding. Very, so you know. But it it could be very entertaining. I'm still saying, Claire's welcome to the porn room and the entertainment. Have at it. <laughs> That's fine. I can lock myself in there while the terrorists take off the hotel. You two are squeezed into the shower room and not being able to talk or access the minibar. We could sneak are you out. Sure, you want to do? You want to access the mini bar? <laughs> I feel like it seems to be a euphemism for something else. And if I go on Urban Dictionary, it probably it probably is. is. If it's Can not, we we're going to make it one before the end of this episode. Hold <laughs> on, oh, update the dentry now. Challenge accepted. Would you rather kill someone with a chandelier or a helicopter? Helicopter. Because then you learn how to fly. I just like helicopters. They're just fun. I have no strong feelings about chandeliers, but a helicopter. Also, it's a pretty badass way to die. How are you? How did you get killed? Ah, helicopter. But getting See, killed by a chandelier is funnier. That's it's what true. I was that is very true. How often can you say, oh, that, oh this person died by chandelier? <laughs> that's a damn good point, actually. Like, that's a, that's a sentence that makes everybody go, tell me more. Hmm. And not just like a one that drops down. <laughs> you were attacked this by a one, chandelier. This one like physically spins around and comes after you, because you know my PK has gone crazy. Why not? I, I had a lot of fun writing that scene. It was a very satisfying scene to write. It was so good. But I don't know about Amanda, but I was sitting there going, "Come on, chandelier!" <laughs> chandelier. It was just there. You know, it's mentioned, and if it doesn't, like, what what is that rule in TV? If it's mentioned in the first act, it's got to be mentioned later on. Yeah, check check Chekhov's like, gun. Yes, Chekhov's gun. But this is Chekhov's chandelier. <laughs> well, exactly. Like it, it was, it was too good. That like when I was thinking about this hotel and I saw the chandelier in the lobby, I was like, I gotta, I gotta do something with that. It's too good. There's got to be some way I can make that chandelier explode or drop on someone or something. But then you went with it whirling dangerously through the air. And that was perfect. Yeah. Random chandeliers flying through the air. <laughs> and they're really sharp. You know, especially if it, if it, these old ones with metals and bits of crystals. On. Yep. Yes. What if they yeah, were... Not... What if it was actually like 
lit flaming candles. Oh, it's a Catherine wheel of death. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> so good at taking even things more and making them worse. Um, what? Last question. Yeah, which you literally wrote just for us. If you didn't, I'm taking it as is. If you wrote it just for us, okay. because you included an actual "Would you rather" question. In the text of your book. Do you want to ask this did, one? Did I, did I really? Yes. Would you rather oh, work shit. for the government as a super-powered secret agent or spend 12 hours a day doing nothing but debearding muscles and cleaning grease traps? If you didn't write that for us, you like on purpose, you did it subconsciously. I definitely did it subconsciously. <laughs> I didn't remember writing it until you told me. That, that's cool. Yeah, you know what? I wrote it for you guys. I wrote it for you guys. 100% oh, was thinking of you. Um, of I'll claim it. I'll claim it. Um <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'd be useless in a professional kitchen. I'd freak out and burn myself or others. So I'm going to go with working for the government. Probably less dangerous. Tegan might want to work in those kitchens. Not me. No. Well, we've already established a kitchen is a dangerous place for me. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to work admin. <laughs> but you, I just fetch coffee for people. It's safer. I mean, I'm in it for the superpowers. If, do I get superpowers? Yeah, superpowered secret oh, sure. agent. Yes, then I'm superpowered secret agent. Duh. No, you've already said you're in the kitchen. We're already locking you in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm not. No way am I going near that kitchen. <laughs> no. We're getting you a really fancy dress and shutting the kitchen door. My, my, can my superpower just be to fetch the coffees and get the orders perfect every time? I think that's a very useful superpower. Yes, yes, that yes. can be your superpower. And always get the last blueberry muffin or whatever, you know, pastry of choice it is mm. before before they run out. A pastry kinetic. I like it. <laughs> it's just good timing, really. Yeah. Efficiency. Time management. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing the baristas. Like a time management superpower. Could be pretty good. What was funny was in, I actually did a little research for this question. I got a chef buddy here and I took him out for a drink. And I, I wanted to know, like, what is the single worst thing that someone can do in a kitchen? Like, what is the job that everyone hates? And he went on a rant for like an hour about the various jobs. And I think he spent 20 minutes on how much it sucked to clean grease traps. Like he just, it was like he'd been waiting all his life just to like spool this out and get this off his chest. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, me you've neither. Saved that, you've saved him therapy. Thank you for your public service. <laughs> he gave me research. Quid pro quo. We good. <laughs> I just had to clean an air fryer that came back to the library that was disgusting, and I wanted to cry how greasy it was, and I was scrubbing dishes in the library, and I didn't want to do it. It was Your gross. library rents out air fryers? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. We check out a lot of stuff. Kayaks, air fryers... Um, you're serious yeah we have your a... libraries are not like my libraries no we've yeah, already been... to be fair though your libraries also have books yeah that's true. so i also so had the to county clean... library is banging yeah wow. yeah it is i also had to clean a shovel this week they didn't do the do you the courtesy of cleaning the shovel before it came back to you no library patrons take advantage of us clearly that is really rude someone could have been murdered or and or their murder could have been covered up with that shovel. And you know what? I just cleaned it off. 
and was like, okay, I'm going to check it back out now. Yeah, but if you find a bit of skull and, like, you know, blood and hair sticking from it, you kind of look and go, hmm, maybe I'll not clean that. Maybe I'll call the police. Yeah, you know, I do I do try to use good judgment when cleaning murder tools at the library. You could help solve a murder. I could. There is, there is a book in here somewhere. That's what I, was I, I had no idea you could check this kind of stuff out from the library. There is so much potential here. We have, we have a good collection. Is this an Arkansas thing or is this an America thing? There's lots of libraries with libraries of things. That's what it's called. Library it's amazing. I've I've heard of toy libraries and clothing libraries for like usually for younger children because obviously babies and toddlers grow out of things so quickly that they are most of the time they're still in good nick. So I've heard of those and I've had access to those before, but not like equipment, tool rental. You go yeah, that's a new DIY one. DIY shop. Yeah, we have a we have a rake. We have a shovel, we have a garden hose, we have kayaks, we have life jackets. Have... Oh, now, I don't know how much I would borrow a life jacket from a library. I'd be worried about tampering. Oh, no, no. They're, they're returned in good condition. Parachutes? We don't have parachutes. <laughs> that could be dangerous. I'm not, sure I'd, check out, yeah, I'm not sure I'd check out a parachute from a library. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Because, I mean, they're, you know, it's pretty much like one one time use unless you get a professional to repack it. Can you repack a parachute? I don't know anything about yeah. parachutes. Yeah, yeah. You do repack a parachute and they train you really, really well for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that kind of training. That's above my pay yeah. grade. Is this why you have random stuff as the prizes on the um, summer reading program, like metal detector and greenhouse? Yeah, because we have weird stuff. We have our we have our library things. Oh. We had the prize this week was a metal detector. Next week is the greenhouse. We also have a robot vacuum coming up. No one no one who goes to the library is listening to this, by the way. Except for maybe Alan, but he works there, so And here I was thinking your job was just dealing with books. No, no, no. no. Whole different dimensions of this shit. <laughs> no. Multiple different dangerous objects. Books no, and tools. No. You need to come and hang out in my library one day. For sure. It's a good place. We also yeah. have a maker space with um we have a glowforge now. And a glowforge? Yeah. Yep. It's really cool. It's a really fancy laser cutter. We have good stuff. Do you have a 3D printer as well? We have three, four. We have a lot of 3D printers. Wow. I know. Yeah, we're very fancy. 3D print the murder weapon, lure the, the, the murder yeah. weapon out, yes. clean the murder weapon on its return. Yes. And then check it out to someone else. And then check it out M- to someone else. M- muddy the paper trail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The, track it. the story ideas. <laughs> I mean, the story just writes itself at this point. <laughs> Just name the name the victim now when you sort it. Yeah. Who do we want to kill? <laughs> in in Arkansas though. Can the librarian be the murderer? Can the librarian be the villain? Because Yeah. Yeah, you got that villain vibe, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> but one of your underlings works out that it's you, but too scared of you. Mm-hmm. To dub you in. Yes. 
and then I push them down the stairs. I threaten to do that to my staff at least once a day, so. Well, that's fair enough. No, they go to the director, but the director's quite happy with the work that you're performing. Yes. Extracurricular and otherwise. Yes. Because they used to do it as well. Yeah, that's why she hired me. Exactly. Get publishers. Someone get Hollywood on the phone. <laughs> Netflix. Come on. We keep writing. No, there's already something happening with a library in Canada. They're making an office style TV show at the library there. Boring. Oh, really? No, this yeah. is going to be animated. Extra hijinks. <laughs> I'm okay with live action. I just want my library, my library murder. Mm hmm. I'm ready it for it. It could just be called library murder as well. Keep it simple. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Let's do it. Look, I know that you just listened to Would You Rather, but you need to, mm. you for sure need to listen to the bonus episode. And yeah, Would You Rather's there again, but there's so much more. And it just keeps going for almost two hours. So you need to go and listen to it because that episode, it's so good. Jackson Ford is both a delight and a wonder. Yes. He's one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He should be protected at all costs. He should. With a chandelier. <laughs> Deadly helicopter one side. Deadly chandelier on the other. Yeah. Both spinning. Yeah. They're just constantly spinning around him in a circle all the time. <laughs> Yes. Perfect. So, favorite final thought quote? Like a million. The entire book? The entire book. Literal entire book? Yes. Yes. (laughs) How many? I have. I have. The entire book. But I also have four that I think that I want to share. Well, how many do you have? Do you I, also I, have the entire book? I do have the entire book. Okay. Um, I, when I was reading it again because sadly there's no audiobook version of book four, which um, publishers, pull your finger out. Um, it is, the demand is there. So I, when I read a book, I take pictures and I went through the pictures on my phone and I had to do the situation of deleting a lot of them again because it was getting ridiculous and <laughs> potentially breaking copyright laws. Anywho. Yeah, Look, it's fair four. use. It's fine. It's fine. Um, there were there is, there is are more and we may do our quotes and then just read the rest because we can We might have to. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I'll give you my four first. Okay. This is, this is, this is, this, this, there were so many that spoke to me. Yes. To me. Yes. And to make matters worse, my underwear has chosen this moment to ride up right into my crack of my ass. No. Spoke to me. (laughs) Marie Kondo, she's very good. And now what you have to understand is that coffee sparks joy. Not just for Tegan, but for me too. And for Annie, even though she likes cappuccinos. <laughs> I agree, Africa. I agree. <laughs> Bloody burr. Yeah, my mm. boy's a temple. Mm. Mm. Fuck off. Yeah, I didn't love him yet at that point. <laughs> no, no. Don't speak, don't speak ill of my coffee, mate. <laughs> Dick, I murmur. 
That's the thing about dicks. They usually have a point. Oh, like Burr. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Always have more plastic explosive than you actually need. And that is a good life lesson. It is a good life mm. lesson. Ritual four. Oh, hey, that looks nasty. Here, have some agony to enhance the experience. <laughs> now they will find out the true power of your powers. <laughs> no one made me crack up. The true power of your powers. <laughs> If that's not the episode quote, I'm going to be very disappointed. I mean, there's some other really good ones. That's and I true, have I have to do more than four because I have to say the sea here is as cold as Baba Yaga's left titty. <laughs> we can't not mention Baba Yaga when Baba Yaga is mentioned. No, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I don't care. I just murdered someone with a chandelier. And finally, is it possible to be both disgusted with yourself and ridiculously satisfied? Fuck it. <laughs> so good. But then there was also the die hard line. Oh. Yippee ki yay, motherfucker. Get out. They knew it was coming. I was Stop waiting it. for it, and if it wasn't done, there would have been a riot. <laughs> oh, I so like the one where all these amazing abilities, and you still got to find parking. <laughs> Not anymore, because you can fly, you bitch! Can fly, and you can throw the Priuses out of your way. That's true. That is true. An ambulance stretcher to the face will ruin your fucking day. Yes, yes, it would. Yes, it I have a special talent for fucking things up. That's my real superpower. Oh. And now you have to find the true power of your powers. <laughs> so good. Oh. Do you know what is a great lead-in for our bonus episode, which everyone go and listen to the bonus episode? How many times have we said that? So many. Not enough. It's porn, isn't it? So much porn. I definitely should have seen that one coming. And I should definitely not use the word coming again today. Nice. And now go and listen to the bonus episode. <laughs> you will understand why. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Golf clap. A bow. All right. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? Um, something that might be, like, completely hashtag tenuous link. Completely. Well, you know how we like those. It's, it's, it's probably based more on the fact that I've read the first two volumes. Mm-hmm. And I need to read the other two volumes and the spin-off now. Okay. N- now. You will love this series, actually. Um, and it's a graphic novel, and it's called Something is Killing the Children, and this one's volume one. Do any it children is... get thrown off a helicopter? I'll read the summary, and then I'll twist this. Okay. 
but no, there's no helicopters. Damn. Chandeliers? <laughs> there's not enough parts. Okay. It's an adult graphic novel and graphic. I like those things. You, I think you will really like this series, actually. So it's called Something is Killing the Children. This is the summary for volume one. And it's um, by James Tinian the fourth Is Ivy the fourth? I'm useless with Roman numbers. Yes. Um, he's the writer and Werther Dalla is the illustrator. When children begin to go missing in the town of Arches Peak, all hope seems lost until a mysterious woman arrives to reveal that terrifying creatures are behind the chaos and that she alone will destroy them no matter the cost. It's the monsters who should be afraid. When the children of Arches Peak, a sleepy town in the heart of America, begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return. But the ones that do have terrible stories and possible deaths of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger, one who believes the children and claims to be the only one who sees what the earth can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. That is all she does. And she bears the cost because it must be done. Ooh. Now, they are literal monsters, and in the ones I've read so far, they not only kill the children, they eat the children. I'm fine with that. And it's graphic. I'm and fine it's with that. fucking amazing. Like, I could not put... I literally read volume one, put it down, and started volume two straight away. Nice. It was amazing. Um... It's got a lot of Buffy feels to it. Like, one of the covers as well, it looks pure Buffy. Hmm. Um, and she is a bit of an asshole, actually. She treats people a bit shitty. But there are just so many assholes in this entire book. Um, I, honestly, I honestly do think, Amanda, you will really like this as a graphic novel as well. And the reason I've recommended it with this is because Erica kind of keeps going, even though she probably should stop or let somebody else take over but quite honestly other people will not do as good a job as what she can which reminded mm. me of Tegan yeah so it is a hashtag tenuous link but I cannot praise this series enough it's amazing so that's my recommendation for this week what have you got my dear mine is also a hashtag tenuous link. Love it. But surprisingly, it also hashtag tenuously links to yours. Ooh. I chose to share Book of Night by Holly Black. Is this Holly Black's first adult novel? Ah, uh, yes. And it just came out in May. Hashtag tenuous link. Are you ready? Yes. In Charlie Hall's world, shadows can be altered for entertainment and cosmetic preferences, but also to increase power and influence. You can alter someone's feelings and memories, but manipulating shadows has a cost with the potential to take hours or days from your life. Your shadow holds all the parts of you that you want to keep hidden a second self, standing just to your left, walking behind you into lit rooms. And sometimes it has a life of its own. 
Charlie is a low-level con artist, working as a bartender while trying to distance herself from the powerful and dangerous underground world of shadow trading. She gets by doing odd jobs for her patrons and the naive new money in her town at the edge of the Berkshires. But when a terrible figure from her past returns, Charlie's present life is thrown into chaos, and her future seems, at best, unclear. And at worst non-existent. Determined to survive, Charlie throws herself into a maelstrom of secrets and murder, setting her against a cast of doppelgangers, mercurial billionaires, shadow thieves, and her own sister, all desperate to control the magic of the shadows. Ooh. So many, like, little similarities. Sisters, terrible past, powers unclear futures, maelstrom, which I used that word in the summary. Like <laughs> <laughs> That is the most tenuous of tenuous links. I love it. <laughs> but I thought it sounds really good, and I like Holly Black. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be a f- fun read. You no killer. You no killer. <laughs> No, Holly Black is a good writer. I do, I do like it. I do like the sound of that. Yeah, it sounds fun. What about Indie Spotlight? Do we have a hashtag tag link there as well? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's got the word Maelstrom in. It, I use, it's got the word and and the. I used those in the summary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one came to us from NetGalley. It's called Tomorrow's End by G.R. Morris. Kevin Knight's been training his whole life to fulfill a galaxy-saving prophecy, but when a grisly tragedy lands him in jail and demonic forces flood his consciousness, the fate of time and space seems doomed. Until a trench coat-wearing alien renegade shatters his understanding of reality. Discovering Earth is merely an alien illusion to manipulate humankind. Kevin struggles to know whom to believe. His strange, scaly new friend? Or the dark voices in his head? But with hell itself planning to slaughter everyone, he must resist the darkness and master his powers to reprogram the future. Can Kevin, a possessed messiah, Claim a destiny of his own before humanity goes extinct? Which prophecy will Kevin fulfill? The one of darkness or the one of light? Powers and of... Some good tenuous links words there. I like it. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Slaughter... (laughs) I use sort of my summary for my recommendation. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Get get the murder board out and the red wool. We're, We're doing these it. suckers together. Oh my god, that's it for this episode of Fictional <laughs> I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. 
Join us next time as we discuss our vampire book club pick, Definitely Dead by Charlene Harris. Make sure you join our Patreon, any tier of our Patreon. You could even give us one dollar a month to watch that video before the episode is released so you can join us in Vampire Book Club. We have a lot of fun talking it's about amazing. these books in Vampire Book Club. Shout out to our book fangers. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.